Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language. And here are your hosts, Ryan Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of the Church of Roy podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Dewald. We have a loaded show for you today, so we're going to try not to dilly-dally too much. I'm not going to talk about bidets and all kinds of weird toilet stuff. But before we get there, here's my co-host, Brian Wilcox. Brian, how are you doing? We're trying to get you out of here before the Avalanche game starts. Yeah, no worries, man. Um, yeah, it's kind of exciting having a local team make a little playoff run that, that isn't the Nuggets because I really don't care about the Nuggets. So this Avalanche run has been fun. Um, unfortunately, it's raining like we're in Portland today, but hey, it's not the polar the first... downs. So maybe I'll feel a little better today. Yeah, today's the first first sunny day we've had in a while. So it's gorgeous out right now. So send it, send it our way, apparently. Yeah. No, we're going to keep it for a while, I hope. Um, so today, just to give you guys a basic rundown of what we're going to be covering, we're going to talk about some of the new rumors around the Blazers. We're going to talk about some of the assistant GM moves. We've had two hires since you heard from us last. And then we're going to wrap things up kind of going into this draft. I think you're going to expect to see something like this the rest of the way, uh, including this show. We have four shows before the NBA draft. So today we're going to cover uh, our centers. So it's, I'm going to go over my top five centers in this draft class. Um, I'll kind of break it up into tiers. The Blazers still have three picks in this draft, even though it's assumed the number seven pick is very much could be on the move. So, But we're still going to act like the Blazers might use that number seven pick for a player, and we're going to start with centers. Um, so first, before we get to that, Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report, another report today where the Blazers kind of headline the rumors, the buzz around the league. Uh, this time, instead of DeAndre Ayton and, you know, Jeremy Grant still mentioned in this article, but really it's focused on OG Ananubi. 
the Toronto Raptors forward defensive specialist, you know, still a very young player on one of the best contracts in the NBA. Uh, apparently he <laughs> will get to what we think about <laughs> if or not he's available or not, but apparently the, the jazz and the blazers have both expressed a lot of interest in pursuing him. Um, so let's get into whether or not we think OG Ananubi is a realistic get for the Blazers. And then we'll kind of get into what, what we think that deal could potentially look like from the Blazers side of things. So Brian, I know you have some thoughts on this. Why don't you kick us off? I think this rumor is outrageous. And Jake Fisher, <laughs> I'm, you know, Jake Fisher seems like he's pretty plugged in, but I thought this article was pretty, pretty rough. I mean, I mean, it's about the third period in there and he's, or third paragraph, excuse me. And he says two sources with knowledge of the dynamic told Bleach Report that OG has not directly expressed discontent with this situation with the Raptors. Perhaps the conversation around him has been driven more by external interest in acquiring the fifth year forward services. This is almost like the local Range Rover dealer being like, yeah. hey, this black Range Rover is going off the lot, baby. Wilcox is interested. Like, that's great. Like, who wouldn't be interested in a 24-year-old stud wing on a great deal? Yep. You know, with championship hey, experience. Steve, news flash. Team with a couple of wings <laughs> has another team that doesn't have any wings that might be interested in one of their wings. Maybe yeah. for sources. It's like, come on, dude. Like, there's no like why would you get rid of this guy? I think if anyone's moving on that team, I think it's more likely that Siakam would be on the trade block than OG just because of his contract and youth, if nothing else. So Yeah, I mean, I think I, I would like to take this moment reporting from the Church of Roy podcast that um, sources believe that when it rains and you don't have an umbrella, your hair will get wet. So, like, that's <laughs> I feel very strong in my reporting there, but uh yeah i i kind of you know what's funny is i didn't even read that third paragraph like i think it's just years of aggregating stories where i'm like oh i get to the juicy bit where i can make a article out of this i totally skipped the third paragraph so like when you got on here and we were talking about our show i'm like wait what so yeah it's like basically your neighbor has a really nice used car for sale and like it's two dudes like hey yeah he's gonna sell it to me for Six thousand dollars under asking price. <laughs> like, I just don't and, and that it. person maybe has no interest in even selling that vehicle. So, um, but I I do not doubt that the Blazers are very much interested. So then, sure. and I I don't doubt that the Jazz are probably looking for a little change. So before we talk about the Jazz, which I I do think is interesting to talk a little bit about what that trade might look like. As far as the Blazers go, Jake Fisher kind of points to. OG has a contract, like I said, very one of the best deals in the league that fits under the Blazers trade exception. So in theory, the the Raptors would not have to take salary back if they didn't want to. So that that might be something Um, the Blazers have the number seven pick in this draft. And there was a talk about what the number seven pick Josh Hart and, and not having to send any salary back to Toronto. Would that get the deal done? And you know, even in the article, Jake Fisher doesn't really think that's enough to get that deal done. No. Um, I don't think either of us do. And, and what I, you know, my my frame of reference here is, is if a much older, you know, Robert Covington costs two first round picks, OG Ananubi is going to cost two first round picks because he's on he's on a longer deal than what Covington was. Uh, he's younger. He has championship experience. 
I mean, he's going to get – I mean, teams are going to have to buckle up to go get him. And, I mean, really, you look at the Jazz offer, which they're talking, you know, Rudy Gobert, you know, a perennial defensive player of the year candidate. I mean, yes, he's had, you know, a checkered history with, with some of his postseason production, but, you know, mm-hmm. still a very good player. Huge contract, though, so I don't know how the money works necessarily, but – you know, I just don't think the Blazers offer really stands up to this. And granted, I would love, I want to be very clear. I would love OG and Anubi to be a Blazer, but I just don't see it. Brian, any, anything you want to add to that? I hope we eat our words. You know, <laughs> yeah. this, would be, this would be awesome if, if, you know, somehow they pulled this off, but I really just don't even know if a sign and trade with Ant would get the deal done. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It might be yeah. Ant in the number seven to even get Toronto interested. I think that, Big wings at his age are just so, you know, in high demand that it's it's just it just seems a little outlandish to me. Is all, Steve? Yeah. I mean, would you, I'm not trying to rain you, on anyone's parade. No, I think but. that's a, I think that's a good hypothetical. Would you do? Would you do Anthony Simons the number seven pick? Yeah. For for OG Ananubi, I would. You know, I think I might too. Just from what what you look at, what the roster construction would be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have Damian Lillard, Josh Hart, and OG Ananubi. That's that's a pretty interesting set of, of perimeter players. Um, but again, you know, I don't know if you're Toronto. <laughs> that's a- the spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Yeah, yeah exactly. When you have Van, then you have Van Vliet and, and yeah. you have Trent over there. I mean, there so. was already questions of whether or not Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons could coexist on the same team, and then you're just going to run it back in, in yeah. Canada. I don't, I don't, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but just as a hypothetical, right? Mm. That's what goes out and what comes in. I think I would really think about it. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, he kind of was an afterthought, I think, a little bit on that Toronto team, but he's a very, very good player. So, and again, I, I think what's also, I mean, the Rudy Gobert part of it, I think, is interesting because, and I think Dan Morang's touched on this a little bit, but, a contract of that size. And if Toronto's not, you know, in love with absorbing a bunch of contracts and money, a team like the Blazers, if they, that's the type of deal where you want to get in as a third wheel, even though you're not like the premier trade partner. Um, if you can't get OG, try to get in there and try to get something out of that deal because you have the cap flexibility and you want to fill up those cap slots so you can be more competitive in the trade market down the road, hopefully, so. Hey, it's producer Perry here, and I wanna talk to you about a new app we've been using here on the Church of Roy called ColorCast. ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and totally free to use. You can talk to me, other fans, Brian, Steve, athletes and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And the best thing is that you can share your own experiences on the app. 
all you have to do is download the ColorCast app, Tree, on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any group you want. It's that easy. That's the ColorCast app on the iOS App Store. Yeah, and I didn't really even touch on the Gobert piece. I think that's just kind of a... I'd be very shocked if someone wants to take that albatross of a contract on mm-hmm. at this point. I hate to group these two together, but, you know, CJ was an excellent, excellent NBA player, but was overpaid and it kind of diminished him and his contract as an asset. Gobert is that times like two at this point, I think. So mm-hmm. I don't, I think he'll be very hard to move. Yeah. I, you're the essentially old, taking 2000, more... the old 2013 draft class, those contracts, <laughs> not always looking too great. Yeah. Um, but, and then again, just to kind of cap off some of the Jake Fisher talk, um, for some reason, Zach Levine is coming up again. Um, it doesn't seem like this is going to die, mainly because the Blazers can, in theory, make room to get a Zach Levine type player. Um, I just don't, I don't think it's happening. I mean, it's, it's so, I, <laughs> I would lose a lot of faith in what the direction might be going forward if you go and get Zach Levine, because it's, I just don't see, where it goes from here. Percent um, agree. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then also again, I, like I mentioned, you know, Jeremy Grant once again mentioned with the Blazers. I, I think we're going to hear that until probably that deal is complete. <laughs> I, I really think that's, I really think that's a, a move that will get done for the Blazers. Um, yeah. But you never know. You know, I I am the same guy who who thought the Blazers were going to draft Jalen Scrub and like was ready to buy the jersey already and. Definitely, I remember happen. that. So, then that feels so long ago. Yeah, ages ago, back when we had hope. So, <laughs> but, um, the other moves that, that the Blazers did actually make outside of rumors was they filled out their front office. Um, so they're back to three assistant GMs uh, as of this recording. So in the last week, first they start out with signing Mike Schmitz, who you know I've been reading his material. I've I've sat next to him at Nike Hoop Summit and evaluated some prospects and bounced some ideas off him. Um, you know, super nice guy. He's brought on to be the assistant GM. Is not going to join Portland until after the draft, so he's going to complete his obligation to ESPN. But you would assume there's probably some level of communication between the Blazers and him, but who knows? Um, but you know, big hire, very popular. On, on social media, there was a lot of people in the league that were really happy. Uh, from what I understand is that Mike Schmidt was very much viewed by the league as someone who it feels like he's one of them. Um, very knowledgeable. Like I said, just a super nice guy. Would always make time to have conversations. Um, really smart. Has, you know, a network across the world. I mean, he has traveled mm-hmm. everywhere to watch people play basketball. Um, so I, I am excited Brian, what do you make of the Mike Schmidt hire? I like it, man. I mean, I think that relative to, we'll just say the, another hire we're going to get into here shortly, we just know more about the guy. Um, I personally really like his, have always enjoyed his draft analysis going way back, right? And so, Mm. um, you know, kind of having a little familiarity there, I think helps. They could hire some brilliant guy from 76ers we never heard of or whatever. Yeah. It's a little harder to dig up and really, really connect to that hire, but I think this is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it is kind of weird that he's technically not involved in the draft in the year that we're hopefully this is the last lottery pick we're going to have for a few years, right? But mm-hmm. um, I think you invest in a guy like that to really try and hit some singles and doubles down 
little further in the draft as well. So I really like it. I think it's a good investment for the team. And I think there's a lot of content out there too, where you, you would at least assume that the Blazers are a fan of his draft theory and that's why they fired him. And then you can, you can go and read sure. Mike Schmidt's draft theory and get a pretty good idea of what he looks for in prospects, how he rates prospects. And, and everybody kind of has their tiebreakers of, how they place one player above each other that's that's close. And I think we can get a pretty good idea from from Mike Schmidt on that. Um, the only thing I, I do have some reservations as far as I, I think it's a good hire, but you know, he he'll it'll be the first of its kind, I, I think, in a while as far as NBA goes, uh, of a guy coming straight from the media to the NBA. So not NBA to media back to NBA. This is mm-hmm. media to the NBA. There, there's not a, a long track history, especially recently, of of people like that finding a lot of success. Um, you know, Seth Part now with the Bucks kind of stands out for me. A um, few years with the Bucks, and then he's back. You, you know, stats and analytics. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Ballard left Sports Illustrated, went to the Clippers. Now he's back with Sports Illustrated. So. Um, I guess the closest comparison really is is an NFL one yep. where you have Mike Mayock, uh, you know, NFL Network draft analyst, analyst uh, leads NFL Network, becomes a GM of the Las Vegas Raiders. So, and still employed there. Uh, Raiders have had a little bit of a, I think he's still employed there. What? Or was he part of the regime change? I don't know. For some reason I had in my head that he got, he got the boot. Maybe he's. Yeah. They might, you know, the Raiders might yeah. have wisely cleaned house. But yeah, he he's out. He, he he's went, out. He went with uh, Gruden out the door oh, essentially. Well. Um, but yeah, that was that was the first thing that came to my mind. Steve was Mayock because mm-hmm. I used to read his stuff going back to just NFL.com and really liked his content, similar to mm-hmm. Schmitz. And then I, uh, you know, he he made some really he did some pretty wild shit with the Raiders. So I'm yeah. hopeful. I'm hoping that Mike doesn't. <laughs> do the well, same pull may go full mayock on us you know yeah well i mean that i think that's i mean he's an assistant gm he's not the guy calling the shots um this is true i and i want to be very clear on mike schmidt this is not just someone who was very successful at espn i mean this what what he did at draft express and like mm-hmm. he has just really all been very good at opening the doors in front of him and making sure they open um very talented individual um a lot of really positive vibes around him and that hire which you know is a welcome addition to to the fan base so, <laughs> we need it i you know it was so positive i it kind of made me sick so i had to be a little negative on, on twitter after the hire so but i just had to kind of balance things out you know we can't have too much of a good thing um the next hire is the one i'm actually really excited about it is sergey oliva who has a phd computer guy, analytics guy, was hired when Sam Hinkie was with the 76ers and then transitioned to the Jazz where he was actually in a coach. He was on the sideline. And this past year, the Athletic put together a list of the top 40 under 40 as far as NBA personnel, coaches, uh, executives. And he made that list. And, and what they say about him in this list is very encouraging and so basically this is this is a little bit of what they said is so we got grouped in with Eric Corey, who's a Raptors assistant coach, and then Sergey, um, who was a jazz assistant at the time. It said Corey and Oliva are the four are at the forefront of an emerging trend across the league, marrying analytics with on the sideline coaching. Uh Corey made the transition to the Raptors. So they talk a little bit about Corey, and then so 
Oliva spent six seasons with the 76ers, where he's the VP and director of analytics and strategy. Now he's in his second season behind the bench with Quinn. So, you know, PhD, analytics guy. You know I love Sam Hinkie. So he's got, <laughs> got some experience there. Um, you know, a very successful regular season team mm-hmm. um, in the Jazz. And I just kind of like how this this front office is coming together with, you know, you hired an analytics guy who has some coach or at least has been on the bench and has seen NBA coaching up front. So now you have him back in the front office role with that experience. And you have Mike Schmidt, who's, you know, going to be good for PR. You know, he's a charismatic guy. Mm -hmm. You can wheel him out there in a press conference if you want to. And he's clearly very knowledgeable about the NBA. So. You know, shout out to Joe Cronin, assembling a nice little team here. And then obviously we got to mention Andre Patterson, who was hired in December, who's kind of, you know, former player, college player at Indiana, uh, played professionally, never really in the NBA, though, um, at least not for a very long time, has a lot of experience across the board. So now you kind of have, if you're just looking at this, you know, from 10,000 feet up, you have Joe Cronin in the GM seat, you have your analytics guy, you have your draft guy, and then you have Patterson, who's, you know, a talented administrator uh, has worked on the inner workings of trades during his time with the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a really solid setup, I think going forward. I mean, you would hope it, it's, it's a launching point from success here. I think it's really impressive what they've done. You know, kudos to Cronin to go for going out there and getting some guys. I mean, that have very high profiles, right? Like Schmidt's extremely well-known. You look at Oliva. Did I yeah. say that correctly? Yeah. Oliva. Yeah. So, I mean, he's appears to be an absolute rising star. I'm, I'm with you. I love the idea of marrying somebody who's deep, deep and, and very educated in analytics to, you know, along with that sideline experience. I don't think you, you know, can have analytic analytics only, I think can kind of, especially in basketball, you know, I don't think you get the same, same juice. So, to me, I, I credit Cronin for not being afraid to take some big swings. And as a guy that's, you know, not super established professionally himself to go out and get these kind of young rising stars in the, or at least very knowledgeable names within the industry, I think just speaks very well to him and what he's trying to do and, and probably just the confidence he has in, to, in himself to do a good job. So I, I was really impressed, man. I, I think it's great. He's not getting a bunch of yes, men. He's really here to, kind of drive good conversation and make good decisions. Yeah. I, uh, I do want to maybe upset some people with with what I'm going to say next, but this certainly looks like a little front office group that would be very well equipped to uh, build a team in a new direction. If (laughs) if Damian Lillard goes somewhere else, I mean, you have, you know, a a very draft intensive, a person who made his name in the draft and Mike Mm -hmm. Schmidt. And then you have someone who had front row seats, to the process was hired by Sam Hinkie at the height of Sam Hinkie being Sam Hinkie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these guys have experience on how to build something up from the ground um, or, or at least on paper they do. So, you know, I, I think it's a move where hopefully they're building for right now, but I, I think if they choose to go in another direction, if this off season doesn't work out, I think you're in a good position to, to build the next kind of iteration of this team. So my, my hope is that they're here to find, every little advantage they can for a capped out team and to find some late diamonds in the rough after some long playoff runs, Steve, but you know, glass half full, <laughs> half empty, do, do whatever you want to do, man. Yep. 
Yeah. All right. So I think those are the big kind of news stories that have been around the Blazers. I mean, obviously, too, before we get into to my center big board, uh, shout out to the Boston Celtics and M.A. Odoka, Portland mm-hmm. State uh, alum, Portland guy, Damon Sotomayor, Portland guy, uh, win a conference title in their first year in Boston. Uh, going to take on the Golden State Warriors. Uh, a lot of Portland ties in this finals. So um, I'm definitely rooting for them. As far as I, there was a little bit of scuttlebutt on social media, is, you know, why didn't the Blazers sign Adoka? You know, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't really <laughs> care. Like I'm happy for Adoka because I think if he's here in Portland, I don't think this, t- I don't think M.A. Adoka and the Blazers are playing in the NBA finals this year. So I'm happy for him. Um, hopefully gets a lot of experience and title pedigree and then comes back to Portland and coaches the Blazers dynasty. That's, that's my hope here. So learn how to win one, then come home. I'm not worried. So, okay. Okay. Anyway, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to look at five centers. Um, I think five, no, I put six on here, six centers. Woo. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to work through my list. Uh, obviously I kind of have these grouped into where I think they'll be as far as the Blazers draft slots will go. Um, these are the players that kind of interest me the most for the Blazers at each one of their picks. So at number seven, I have two players in mind. And this is again, assuming the Blazers stay at number seven or maybe slightly trade down. Um, I do not believe they are going to get in position to get Chet Holmgren. So that's why Chet Holmgren is not on this list. If Chet Holmgren is included in this discussion, he would be my clear cut number one center, uh, but he's not. So I want to get into number one, Brian, I'm going to kind of go over these players and then I want you to shoot some questions at me, stuff I can clear up, stuff I didn't make clear and, and maybe some of your thoughts on these guys. So mm-hmm. number one on my list is a little bit of surprise. It's a very, it was very close for me. Um, I've taken a long look at both of these players now. Um, but number one on my list is Mark Williams, Duke center. He's a sophomore. Uh, standing reach of nine feet, nine inches measured at the combine. Seven foot two with shoes, seven, point, seven feet, 6.5 inches wingspan, 242 pounds with only 5.4% body fat. He's a big time shot blocker. I mean, when you watch those Duke games, he he owns the paint. If he's not blocking shots, he's altering them. Um, you're going to catch a common theme when I'm talking about these centers, but he is he's more comfortable and better suited for a drop coverage type role. But I want to be very clear: not every drop coverage center is created the same. People in Portland should know that. <laughs> you know, yeah, we had. <laughs> I knew that was a white. That was a white side dig. Yeah. Well, know. I mean, you, you have Whiteside, but you also, I mean, the more drastic comparison would be Yusuf Nurkic or Robin Lopez. We've seen what they can do. Mm-hmm. And then we've also seen what Anis Cantor does as a drop defender. So, uh-huh. you know, they're not all created the same. Um, I would say Mark Williams is on the higher side of that. He's shown good recovery ability. As far as like what he always fit in a billup system, like from what we've seen from the Blazers defense when they played it last year, when they weren't tanking, you know, it's not a true like switching center, get your guy out on the perimeter. It's a hard hedge and then move back towards the rim, which Mark Williams did a lot at Duke. So mm. I don't think scheme wise, it's too much of a difference. Um, just got that monster length, monster size. Um, you know, he played with a very talented group both years he was at Duke. I think he has more to show. He's highly efficient around the rim, uh, great rebounder. 
solid foul rate, you know, for what he does as far as blocking shots. I mean, it's not as good as Chet Holmgren, but Chet Holmgren kind of stands alone here. Uh, I, I think he's, I think he could step in and play minutes as a rookie just because I, he's shown that he can avoid fouls. He knows his role. He's a good role, man. You know, I'd like to see him shoot a little bit more and show some touch. He has a little bit of touch with his right hand, but very much a vertical spacer as of right now, role man. But man, he can play some defense and he's a monster. So mm -hmm. number one on my list. Any thoughts on Mark Williams? I mean, obviously his standing reach was like incredible. Second only uh was it taco in the last like oh yeah yeah i yeah. mean i mean just he's an absolute monster of a man um you know watching film of him i was a little surprised about his touch i think that maybe that's a little underrated on his end and the solid free throw rate it was it 72 73 in there somewhere so do you see him becoming you know anything more than just a vertical spacer in the league or does he have that ceiling to maybe become a guy who can step out and maybe it's not He's maybe he's not catapulting long threes off a of pick and pop, but can he get that Aiton type touch from 15 feet just to give you a little bit of spacing? Or where do you see him ultimately here. landing on that end? Hey, it's producer Perry here, and I want to talk to you about a new app we've been using here on the Church of Hawaii called Colorcast. Colorcast is a live audio only sports talk platform that's free to download and totally free to use. You can talk to me, other fans, Brian, Steve, athletes and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And the best thing is that you can share your own experiences on the app. All you have to do is download the ColorCast app free on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any group you want. It's that easy. That's the ColorCast app on the iOS App Store. Here's what I worry about with him with that is I think he does, I think he has shown a little bit of touch with his right hand and I think he could develop kind of that elbow game. Mm -hmm. What he doesn't have from that range though is he has no feel for passing. He mm -hmm. might be the worst passing big man on this list. So <laughs> so when you get in that space and you're you know you're either a shooter or a roll man, uh, defenders can make you very one dimensional and make your life very hard. I mean he also really doesn't put the ball in the deck at all. Sure. So. Um, I guess short answer would be no. I don't really see him expanding his game too much more from being a vertical spacer. But I think, you know, if he's open and doesn't have to dribble, he could be kind of, you know, a safety valve around there. But I don't think he's going to be someone who's going to be creating from you from the elbow or from the low post. Um, that said, I, I also did mention he's, you know, a really good open court runner. I mean, he doesn't really dribble, but he, for a guy his size, he is usually the first guy down the court for Duke, which is really encouraging for a player of that size. I mean, mm -hmm. if you want to dig at Hassan Whiteside, I mean, that there it is. I mean, <laughs> you never knew when that switch was coming on or off. So um, Mark Williams, uh, you know, high motor player in transition, um, you know, and not afraid to get dirty, smart player. Um, you know, unlike some of the stuff we saw from Whiteside, I mean, he picks his spots with blocks. He's not like he's just solely focused on that. So sure. a lot to like for Mark Williams. So Number two, I think would well, a lot of people would assume, or probably a number one, uh, if we were doing this list without Chet Holmgren. My number two player on this list is Jalen Duran from Memphis. Like I said, this was really close between Mark Williams and him for me. Uh, Duran did not measure at the combine, but from what we know, six feet eleven, seven and a half foot wingspan, uh, two hundred fifty pounds in college. I, he might be less than that. He might be more than that now, but I'm not really worried about body fat percentage with him. I mean, he looks like he's carved out of stone. Yeah, he's um, youngest guy on this list, 
uh, only 18 years old of, of all the players I'm going to talk about. So he is the only freshman on this list. Um, just an explosive athlete. If you want to talk about a player who right now he's a kind of a drop coverage defender, but I think he has the highest potential to become a switchable defender. Um, I think he's going to be comfortable in space just because of his athleticism. Uh, big time finisher has a little bit of touch, um, could develop. I, I think he could develop more on that end than maybe a Mark Williams could. Um, you know, as a, has a pretty decent court vision for a big player. I think he could facilitate a little bit out of the high, uh, the, the elbows, mm -hmm. but I am a little worried about his foul rate and ha especially foul rate against quality competition. If you look at Ken Palm's, Ken Palm's numbers and how they do against the top tier players, Jalen Duran, there's a noticeable step down when he is playing against really good competition and he runs into foul trouble quite a bit. So, you know, he's 18. I think he's got a bigger learning curve coming into the NBA, but he's got a ton of talent. Uh, I think he's a surefire lottery pick, but I think you can thread the needle with Mark. Here's what, how I broke the ties. I think you can thread the, you can get the best of both worlds with Mark Williams. I feel like, mm -hmm. Jalen Duran, I think it's a little more risky, but the ceiling's probably a little higher. So, you know, I, I know you probably had Duran above above Mark Williams, and I don't blame you just for that last point. So, <clears throat> anything you want to add? Man, it was close. You look at Williams, just measurables are insane. But to me, I think that some of the downsides of Duran are related to his – could be related to his age and inexperience, foul rate, uh, decision-making – and, you know, I think some of his upsides also related to his age. So I think that could be impacting kind of both sides of the coin there. Um, to me, his upside as a perimeter defender, I think, would put him at one on this little six-man big board we're going through. Um, and also one thing I, I like about Duran more than I like about Williams, I think, you know, as a vertical spacer, I think that that kind of short area burst is so important coming off that screen to really get moving towards the hoop quickly and – and, you know, as soon as he set that screen, and to me, he just looked like he had a little more burst in that short, you know, that short roll. And so, to me, I put him over Williams. And uh, I do like both prospects, though. To me, it was almost a little bit of a 1A, 1B type situation with those two guys. I think they're clearly um, a, a tier above the the next four we'll discuss. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree here. So, those two players right there, I think those, to put a cap on those two, those are the two centers that I see around the number seven pick or, you know, just slightly behind the Blazers find a trade partner to move back slightly. I think those are the two players you look at. I think they'll both be on the board at seven. Um, I think Mark Williams is going to rise a little bit higher going into this. Um, especially... Not higher than, not higher than seven. You're talking higher. No, than, no. Yeah. I yeah, think higher you than know, kind I've... of the consensus. You know, a month ago he's getting mocked at, you know, 14, 15. I think he's going to be right there in the nine to 12 range is what gotcha. I think he's going to be. Um, so then the next tier of players, I, I think you're going to, one of them is going to need a little help to get there. Um, but I think the, these players will at least be in the neighborhood of the number 36 pick. Um, <laughs> the next couple are the next three players I'm going to talk about. Um, so I want to lead off with, with my next guy who is another, again, a little bit more of a surprise. Um, I have Christian Coloco as my number three center. Um Obviously, that's a, another little bit of an upset pick over Walker Kessler from Auburn, which we'll get to him next. But Christian Coloco 
Arizona junior player I watched in high school and just watching how he's developed his body's developed his feel for the game has developed has been really impressive he is a a late comer to the game of basketball didn't really play organized basketball until he was 15 years old so I think there's a lot more to his ceiling here you know I mentioned Jalen Duran just from a physical standpoint I think can become a perimeter defender from positioning and awareness standpoint and some of what he's shown at Arizona I think Christian Coloco is right behind him as far as being able to transition into a switchable player. Um, still more comfortable in a drop scheme at the combine. He measured seven feet tall with shoes, seven and a half foot wingspan, nine feet, five inches standing reach 221 pounds with 5.7% body fat. So, you know, a little skinnier than these other guys, but still a lot to like there. Um, his, as far as like his offense goes very much a vertical spacer as well, more comfortable as a role man, but is worth noting that in his three years at Arizona, he has consistently gotten better at free throws. And I mean, we're talking about a 20% jump every season. Um, so, you know, really, really solid there. The only thing that does kind of scare me is his foul rate to block rate is a little upside down right now, just slightly. So, that usually points to a little bit of a learning curve here. But like I said, this is a player who's still in the grand scheme of things, fairly new to the game of basketball. Um, but I, I really like his ceiling. I really like how he just, he's a high motor player in the glass. He really fights for offensive rebounds. His offensive rebounding rate is one of the best in the, in the, in the college game. So a lot I like about Christian Coloco, Brian, a player you saw, in Vegas at the Pac-12 tournament. This is the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year here. Anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, for stretches in, in Vegas, he's the best player on a very talented Arizona team. Um, I think offensively I have similar concerns um, as, as I do with Mark, Mark Williams as far as decision-making and ball handling. But I think get it on the head with the – he has similar upside to Durant defensively. Not the same upside, I don't think, but but similar. And to just to reiterate another point you made, I think his age is a little misleading just because he hasn't been playing uh, basketball as long as some of these other guys. So personally, I'd much rather take a flyer on Coloco later if he's still on the board than draft one of those other guys in the lottery. Mm -hmm. um, especially with that's a whole other conversation about the center's place in modern yeah. basketball, right? Yeah. But yeah, I like Coloco. Yeah, I guess too when I'm talking center discussion, just to give everybody an idea of how we want to do this. We're going to talk about a couple other position groups. I'm going to give you my big boards there and kind of how they make sense with where the Blazers are picking. And then we're going to do a co combined of the players I like at each pick for the Blazers. So Christian Coloco, again, I like his ceiling. Got a couple things to work on, a little bit raw in a few areas, but I think there's a lot to like. And I think he has the opportunity to be, along with Duran one of the more versatile centers in this draft class. But mm -hmm. again, we're talking about a second round pick. I mean, you got to separate him <laughs> from the first two players we talked about. I mean, a lot would still have to go right for you to hit on a center at number 36. I mean, it's going to be a learning curve here. Um, next player. This is a player I think is going to need a little help to get to number 36. Cause I think he'll go off the board in the twenties, but that's Walker Kessler from Auburn. Um, this was Jabari Smith's running mate uh, two years at Auburn. Unlike Jabari Smith's one, um, Kessler measured at the NBA draft combine uh, seven feet, seven foot one with shoes, nine feet, five inches standing reach. So same as Coloco uh, seven foot four wingspan, 256 pounds, 
14.7% body fat. So, um, you know, comparing that to, you know, where Mark Williams is 242 with 5.4, you know, 256 with 14.7. So maybe spotting might change a little bit in the NBA on an NBA diet and, and regimen maybe bulks up a little bit and replaces some of that, Mm -hmm. uh, body fat with muscle. Um, Walker Kessler is like your absolute classic drop defender. <laughs> like yeah. he, uh, he, uh, he lo- lives in the paint, alters every shot that comes in there. Um, insane uh, block rate led the in Ken Palm led the numbers was number one in the nation. As far as his block rate, um, unbelievable rebounder as well. Uh, and just, re- you know, hyper, he, he stuck to what he was good at and that led to very high efficiency numbers um, you know, coming out of high school, he was a top rated prospect and there was a thought that he was going to be more like, not quite like Chet Holmgren. I mean, he wasn't number one in his class, but there was talk that there was some unicorn potential with Walker Kessler. His shooting numbers just never got there. I mean, yeah, or the talking, form. It's a little yeah, weird. yeah. So 20% three point shooter last year, very low volume. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot to love at the free throw line either. Like we haven't seen that consistent improvement like we've seen from Coloco. So I think what you see is what you get with Walker Kessler. And I think that's why I put Coloco just a little bit above. I think if you're picking later in the draft, might as well go after a little bit of ceiling there. Yep. Um, that said, I think Walker Kessler is going to be a fine third big man in the NBA. I mean, you know exactly what you're going to get. Um, but I do worry about, you know, NBA spacing. Is he going to be able to stay on the floor, you know, down the road in his career? But you know, still a very useful player. I could see him being very useful in the regular season. Anything else on Walker Kessler? I feel like depending on who's on the floor on a given night, he could absolutely look like he belongs and hang in there for every minute of a game. And conversely, he could absolutely get played off the floor in two minutes. You know what I mean? I, I just think that he's such an old-school defender and, and really offensively just throwback center that – There'll be nights where it looks really good and there's going to be nights it looks really bad. And so I'm with you with some of the versatility that, that uh, especially Coloco and Duran show, yeah. or at least that versatility upside, right? Yeah. I think the upside is what, you know, is the tiebreaker here as far mm-hmm. as me liking Coloco just a little bit more. Uh, I, I don't really see any boards where you have Coloco in front of Kessler, but Again, this is kind of my Blazer-centric board, and this is just kind of how my my mind works, um, which is probably why the Blazers hired Mike Schmidt, not Steve Dewald. So, but anyway, <laughs> so now the other player who's kind of in this group um, is Ishmael uh, Kamagate. He's from France. He's been playing in the French Pro League. Uh, I kind of first saw him when he's he was in a matchup against Wembiana who is probably going to be the number one pick next year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, another big seven footer, but Kamagate is just below seven feet tall. He did not measure the combine. I don't think he was at the combine uh, six foot 11, but his rumored wingspan is seven feet, three inches. So he's got a big, long wingspan uh, about 220 pounds is what he's listed at on, on the Paris site, which he's played professionally at um, just in general. I like French players because they, I think through their academy system, they're very complete players. Um, they have a very good feel for what's going on on the floor. Um, and, and, you know, 
it's a little bit different than the U.S. I think they do a better job of building up every aspect of fundamentals with those players. Um, it certainly was the case, you know, when Boris Diaw was coming up. Now, that said, like the other players on this list, he's very much an inside-the-arc finisher. I don't think there's any floor spacing potential with him. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. he didn't attempt a three last year. Um, but still, you know, average 11 points per game in a pro league, you know, 21 years old. You know, he has pro experience. If you're looking for someone who can maybe step in, fight for some minutes, might be him. He's, you know, high motor, especially on the offensive end. Like, if you watch some of his games, he's never lets an offensive rebound go. Um, has a little bit of the back-to-the-basket game, but more so a pick-and-roll, vertical-type spacer, um, but really good off cuts. Like, that's what really mm-hmm. impressed me about his game. He has a really good feel of when his defender falls asleep. Now, granted, this is European basketball, and sometimes it's easier to find those lanes in those type of settings, but he has a really good feel. He has a good job of making himself available for guards, and he just goes up and gets the ball and finishes. So he's someone who, you know, maybe the Blazers take in the second round, maybe he stays overseas for a little while and marinades, you know, who knows. So any any thoughts on, on our boy Ishmael here? Lottery ticket. Don't know much about him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but again, the other thing too, was that, you know, where I first noticed him and where he's first impressive was, you know, going after Webiana and and really not afraid of those matchups. So um, I think that says a lot. I mean, definitely. How do you, how do you do? I mean, he he was good at drawing fouls, but I mean, he got (laughs) stuffed a couple of times, but Webiana is going to stuff a lot of people and he's going to stuff a lot of people in the NBA here in a couple of years too. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I guess, you know, we kind of get into the real lotto ticket area. So this is like the Blazers 58th pick. So this is the, the drew Timmy era era, like zone. Uh, There's, there's a guy out of Fresno state that's about around this area, but Mm -hmm. I, I just have to talk about my boy, Kofi Coburn. Here's another player I've watched since high school. He was a late addition to one of the first hoop summits I went to. Um, actually, it was the hoop summit I sat pretty close to Mike Schmidt at. So, um, you know, he came in, there was a player injured. He flew in last minute and just hit the ground running. So, Kofi, if you didn't watch Illinois play basketball this last year, he's been there for three years. He's an absolute monster. He's a mountain of a man. So, measured at the Combine. Seven feet tall, seven four wingspan, nine little over nine feet standing reach, two hundred and ninety three pounds, eight point two percent body fat. So still a lower body fat percentage than Walker Kessler, but just an absolute paint beast is what he is. So twenty points per game, high usage player, thirty two percent usage rate at Illinois. Um, got a little bit of every got kind of like that. I mean, just from a size standpoint, a little bit like that Shaquille O'Neal drop step against smaller defenders. Like you have to be ready when he comes down there. Mm-hmm. Um, he is not as good of a shot blocker as you think he is. So like, and Brian was talking before the show, you know, like, you know, use of Nurkic isn't blocking a bunch of shots, but Kofi definitely alters shots, but you know, average only one block per game. But, you know, if you're talking about a lotto ticket with someone who has an NBA ready body that, you know, you could probably just throw out there with, grown men and he would hold his own it's him now again we're talking 58th pick this is someone who's probably gonna spend some time in the g league potentially Mm -hmm. gets a two-way contract right out of the gate at number 58 that's not really uncommon for that zone of the draft now so but still very highly productive player at college um 
I, again, one of those players, you know what you get. I think you know what you're getting. Um, maybe a, a little bit of upside just because of his size. Brian, any thoughts on, on Kofi Coburn? If the basketball path doesn't work out, I think he has a tr- he has a real opportunity to go into the WWE and make a name for himself. That guy's <laughs> absolutely enormous, and, and uh, yeah, I think I think he could be an entertainer. That's my take. I think he could be a defensive tackle for the Seahawks too. Maybe you can get a joint sure. joint too, contract. Too tall, too tall. Can't get the leverage. Not on special teams. Block field goals, man. Oh, okay. I like you gotta, that. You gotta think outside the box, man. That's some so. that's some weird Madden shit. <laughs> no one <laughs> yeah. ever does. No one ever does in real life. Hey. Don't, don't knock my, my skills here, bud. Um, anyway, so those are, those are the six players center-wise. Again, we're going to go on. We're going to look at some perimeter players on our next show. Um, but, yeah, just to recap real quick, we got Mark Williams at Duke, number one on my board for centers. Jalen Duran, number two. Walker Kessler, or Christian Coloco, number three. Walker Kessler, number four. Ishmael Kamagate, number five. And Kofi Coburn and number six. And, again, the number six spot is like six A, six B, six C, six D. I think like this is kind of pick your poison. Mm-hmm. What weakness are you more likely to deal with at the NBA level? Um, for me, I went with size. I mean, your Timmy's more skilled, but um, you know, doesn't compare size wise at all. So yeah. anyway, those are my six. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We're gonna try to do more draft coverage as it gets closer. Um, Brian. Anything to say before we get out of here and let these people get back to their day? <laughs> no, man. Um, just excited for this draft. It's just creeping closer and closer, mm-hmm. and I cannot wait. And I'm happy you put in the obvious work to know, you know, the 70th. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you, you've you watched in-depth tape on Kofi Cockburn, who is hey, about the Coburn. 70th rank. Coburn. <laughs> Coburn, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I obviously haven't, so uh, yeah. watching the turn. Anyway, no, I appreciate you, Steve. Love talking to you, man, and can't wait for next week as we get into some more prospects. All right. Everybody enjoy those NBA Finals games. Um, we're, you're going to miss basketball more than you know in like a month and a half, so try to find time to enjoy it. I know uh, the Warriors, especially around here, invoke strong feelings, and for a lot of people, the Celtics also invoke a lot of strong feelings from people too, so – Find a way. Find a way to root for the Portland guys. That's what I say. So, Agreed. anyway, that's all we got this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you disagree with my uh, selections, let me know on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. So, all right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And while you're at it, go follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod. We'll see you next week.